Cool. What was, what was that, Smitty? You... I know what I know. Oh, I was just having a laugh. I haven't got a lot of notes with me today, but I've got some pretty firm ideas about parenting and uh, how we've raised our little girl. So, so that's our I'm going topic, off the cuff today. That's our topic for the day? Yeah, yeah. So I think today we're going to talk about uh, sort of parenting and rites of passage and how we're bringing our kids up. Modern day parenting. Yeah, modern day parenting, yeah. Mm. Yeah, maybe with an ancestral twist. Well, us, all depending four on of how us. we've... Yeah, all four of us have children, so um, we're not declaring that we're experts at it, but we've had some experience. We're probably as qualified as anyone to talk about it in our own right, because as usual, we're just talking about our own opinion on things and what works for us. And That's right. Uh, hopefully people enjoy having a listen. And for any parent, um, it doesn't come with a manual. When the baby pops out, you're not given a, uh, here's your instruction book, uh, follow this to the letter and you will produce the perfect human being. That is a hectic moment, isn't it? When you have that realisation of just, it's just you yeah, and your your wife and your new child. Yep. And you just go, holy crap. Yep. And it's not until a little bit later on that you realise that you're going by your own personal experiences of how your parents treated you and your own value and belief system, I guess, that's been instilled into you. And that's how you carry that over to, to being a parent. And I guess that's where cycles of good parenting and cycles of bad, bad parenting, unfortunately, can continue. Mm, definitely. There's a lot of generational stuff there, isn't there? Mm. You know, your grandfather did it to your dad. And I'm not talking about bad things, just any t- sort of parenting style. Yep. You can definitely carry down good and bad. Yeah. How are you going, Mick, over there in Queensland? Very good, mate. And uh, really, really excited to um, to dive into this one. Um, and I think that's a really good starting point, Rue, uh, the direction that you've headed there in terms of this generational impact uh, of, of our parents and our parents' parents and, and what transcends down and that sort of thing. And I think what it opens up is the discussions uh, about voids and values and and all these sorts of things. And I think from the perspective of of psychology, um, what's sort of very pertinent is that often things that we perceive as missing when we were children become really, really important for us as adults. And that, that, I guess, the, the way of simplifying that is if we perceive something was missing when we were younger, um, for example, affection or, or something like that, that's a void. Um, that void then tends to become, um, for the majority of people, really, really important. Um, uh, and and that then becomes a dominant value when they're adults. And if we look at this from the, through the lens of... Um, you know, maybe, maybe, our, maybe our fathers. Let's talk about our fathers and the way that we were parented and that generation as a whole. I think it would be fair to say that, you know, they probably didn't receive as much affection and attention and, and love um, in the way that we probably provide it to our children from their own fathers. Yeah, for sure. And so, you know, that 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 would have been very, very, very important to them. Um, as they as they developed into fatherhood and, and young men themselves. 
the issue then became or become uh, the fact that if you don't actually know how to do something, you've never been shown it, you've never been taught it, you unconsciously direct your children to receive love or affection or this missing void from a position that you thought you received it. Does that make sense? Just, mm. just repeat that again, mate, that last bit. So, so, so with our fathers, if they never actually developed the ability to show love or affection yeah. because, that, that, because they were never shown, you know, that, that, I think it would be fair to say that, I don't want to speak out of turn, but certainly, you know, my own father, I, I would say you could probably count on one hand the number of times he was told by his father, my grandfather, that he was loved. And, and it wasn't because he didn't love him. He, he certainly loved him. It was his son, but he just didn't know how to say it. He didn't know how to show it. And so being loved and nurtured um, for my father became a really, really dominant value. But initially when, when, he, when he became a father himself, he didn't have the traits and attributes and the skills. He'd never been shown. So instinctively what then happens unconsciously is we direct, we direct our children to receive love from where we got it. And that can be a very unconscious thing. Um, and so that's why we find a lot of, you know, in those initial years, and we've spoken about this before, those, those infancy years, um, toddler years, um, the tendency can be to direct the child to the mother because that's sort of, you know, it, it, it's, it seems to be a commonplace where they can receive love. And I think the really interesting shift universally at the moment is that probably our generation is at a real tipping point for changing this uh, in terms of the way that we communicate with our boys and our children as a whole. Uh, and I think that we've spoken pretty consistently about the fact that um, I think we, we, we all do that very similarly. It's, you know, um, we've all, well, with, with the exception of Maddie, three of us have got young boys. Um, and I think in particular, the way that I communicate with my son, the way I openly show vulnerability, emotion, and all of these sorts of things is very, very different to how that played out with my own father. Would, would that be similar to you guys as well? Definitely, mate. Mm. It does for me. Uh, my father, oh, if, if you don't mind me going first, boys, but my dad was um, a very hard man when I was young and he never had a father. His father left him and, and he was um, put on the doorstep of his grandparents who brought him up uh, for most of his life. And so his concept of a father was was very negative and, and he never maybe learnt the, the role of a father. Uh, the, the, grand, the grandfather did the best he could, I guess. Uh, but my, my childhood was brought up with an impatient father, uh, high expectations, uh, sort of lived his life or his, his lack of success through me like in regards to footy and that sort of stuff. And, um, you know, there were times where my mum had to separate us in, in the hallway as I became a teenager and she would always defend me um, there were times where I 
I had to storm in the room, storm back in the house after having an altercation with my dad outside and telling mum I hated him and stuff like that. And there was never any any affection whatsoever with my dad. Um, he didn't know how to express it. And he was a very short-tempered, uh, impatient man. And uh, I, I just remember having my own son or my own kids and just having this saying, um, do what my dad didn't do and don't do what my dad did. Um, that's that's my philosophy as a father uh, now. And I've made a conscious effort to try to break this cycle that my dad uh, was was in. And I wanted to, to break that cycle. So I think I've, I've done that. Um, my kids get a lot of love from me. Uh, our house is a loving house, uh, a loving home. Um, you know, and, and I have a, a really, really strong bond with my kids. And, and, you know, my daughter's just turned 16, my boy's 14, and they still, we still hug and we still say we love each other. And, you know, showing of emotion is never, never withheld. And um, I'm pretty happy that that's been achieved in our house. But, yeah, I mean, the father, and we, and we can talk about the role of fathers a bit later on as well, but... Um, yeah, the, the, the father is a critical part of the family and, um, you know, anyone listening here will have, you know, experiences with their father, good or bad. But, yeah, fathers unfortunately can be pretty unskilled at parenting sometimes and that can be a lot of a lot of effects, you know, causing that. Mm. Rue, out of interest... So can you see there, though, uh, Rue, that that's the perfect example of something you perceived as missing, which created a void in you, then became a really, really pertinent value in how you parented when you when you when you got to have your own children. That's effectively exactly what you've described. Yeah, and and what you were saying before is I received those emotions. I filled that void with my mother. So my mum and I are very close. My yeah. mum would always show me affection and love. And that, that's where I guess I, I, I gained that. Mm. Yeah. And, and you've obviously made a, a conscious effort to <clears throat> parent in the style with a lot of, a lot of care and a lot of um, <clears throat> you know, love for your children and sort of open communication. But do you find uh, that with your upbringing, was your sort of default way that you um, maybe could have slipped into sort of more like your dad's parenting style? Did you have to really uh, work hard to sort of overcome uh, sort of like being more like your dad or did it actually come naturally to you to parent in your style? No, that's a really good question, mate, um, because every now and then I'll stop myself and realise, fuck, I'm being my father. And particularly uh, with my own impatience um, and if, you know, if something's not working, I'll just lose my shit um, at something. And my kids have seen me do that. Uh, and then I'll quickly realise and I'll say to them, oh, that, that's not how you should react to kids or, or respond to that. You know, that, that's just dad being impatient. But though I think, and, you know, you sort of, um, the argument of nature versus nurture, um, I, is that trait in me a genetic thing from my father, that impatience, that, um, that quick um, snap of, of uh, doing your doing your block um or is it something that i've learned you know as a young kid did i see my dad do that and is that learned 
And then, so will my son also see me do that? And not probably not as often as my dad uh, did it. Uh, will he learn that trait as well? I don't, I don't, I hope he won't because he's a more placid, nat- good natured boy. Um, but yeah, I, what you're saying, Smitty, is spot on. I, I, I think my own personality is uh, I'm a sort of a sensitive person. Um, and so I can, and, and the love for my mum, I think, is what I, I use to bring up my kids. But definitely little nuances or little bad habits of my dad creep in that I have to check myself on. Mm. I think there's definitely a little bit of imprinting when you're young, isn't there? You're just subconsciously obviously soaking in every moment that you're with your parents and you're growing up and you understand how they're likely to react in a certain situation. And I think definitely if uh, either your mother or your father reacts in a certain negative or positive way to a certain input, I think that definitely imprints in your mind as a young kid. And I think that is a little bit of the, um, I guess, the nurture side coming into it. It's sort of like a learned behaviour where where you're getting that that imprinting of a behaviour. So if you see that enough times as a kid when you're growing up, I think definitely that does get stored somewhere in your mind and it it can be a behaviour that comes out later on. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's hard being a parent because it's constant, isn't it? Yeah, and look, I don't want to sit here and bag my old man. Like, no. My no. old man, he, he loved me. I knew, yep. I know he did. Um, you know, the amount of times he took me down the footy oval and spent a lot of time um, in that sort of thing. Uh, I know he loved me. but and, and as I've gotten to become a man myself, I look back and, and I've forgiven my dad for a lot of the, the bad things that happened between us because I know that he was just trying his best and he didn't really know, but we now have a lot more knowledge to share and a lot more, I don't know, communication between other dads and stuff like that. And, and dads are more involved now, um, that we have a lot more knowledge with regards to parenting. And look, look at us t- four blokes talking about it, mm. you know, and even people listening to us. Back then in, our da- in my dad's day, they never had any of that sort of support network or that access to knowledge. So they're just flying by the seat of their pants, you know, that's trying their best and their best is, you know, probably wasn't good enough really, but they did love us in their own way. They did operate in a different environment, didn't they? Like sort of culturally or societally, it wasn't as accepted for a man to be emotionally open and vulnerable and it was more a thing of sort of quiet toughness and just putting up with whatever's thrown at them, but it... If you go back even two generations, you know, our, grand, our grandparents' generation, they'd just come out of the Second World War. They were very sort of tough people and there was probably a lot of emotional trauma there from various things that had happened to them during their life and maybe going through a war and mental illness and that sort of thing as well. But whereas now we're encouraged to be more in touch with our emotions as men and we have taken on um, more of a nurturing role as well, which is a good thing. Yeah. Uh, but But definitely we are... Uh, sort of operating in a different environment, aren't we? Um, and there are sort of some, some better, uh, I guess, ideas around what a what a strong male role model is now versus back then. Yeah, it's it's less about sort of toughness and staunchness, and there is more open nurturing, which is yeah. definitely a move in the right direction. And I guess a lot of dads want to be involved now. Yeah, I mean, you CJ, you've got two little ones, and I see you as a great dad. You are very involved with your kids. I'm very lucky in that 
I have a lot of time. I've got a time. I have a employment where I can do that. I can be involved in their life. But I, I listened to your story there. And it sounded quite similar to my dad's story in that uh, he's he he was the one that broke that cycle of yeah right um, i'm sure his dad loved him plenty but just that generation you're right didn't really know how to express that and like mickey was talking before his he definitely made a conscious effort to break that cycle and say this awesome. is how i'm going to do it and he's been an absolute role model for me as a as a parent. Still different generations, aren't they? You know, they still have different things. Not that they went through the war, but, you know, dad was born just after the war. His dad, my granddad, who I never met, uh, you know, had the hardships of the war and you can't, it's really hard to, in a position where we are, see where they've come from and how they, and how much they've progressed, if that makes sense. And, and because, you know, you look at, I talk about, you know, and you, you kind of make fun of your old man a few times, don't you? When they say, oh, I went to school with no shoes on <laughs> and I had to walk and, you know, we played in the rubbish tip. You know, we lived out and <laughs> played with asbestos. Bastardine. Yeah, like all that stuff. And you kind of they just made do. And then you yeah. look at all the the modern things that we've got now and you know, we're all we're all quite comfortable where we are, but you know, we're not millionaires, we're not sort of lavish, but we're we're living a pretty good life. You know, and it's mm. it's it is a diff difficult and I, I you know, I thank well, I think about it often and thank my old man for, for having that foresight and nature and nurture, you talk about it, you know, is it in, is it in you? You know, cause I, some of the parenting that went on, even from mothers in that era was real harsh. Yeah, you know, it's not, it's yeah. not, it's not the maternal stuff that we have now go to mom, get a hug, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. It's, it was, some of it was fairly cold. Yeah. So it, it's, 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 it's really interesting, especially, uh, yeah. Some of the things, some of the things that went on in that generation, like my granddad, so it's not far away. He was the middle child of, I think it was eight and got shipped off to orphanages because they couldn't afford to have him. Wow. How's that? Mm. Yeah. Couldn't afford one, to have him. Wow. Couldn't afford, oh, yeah. No, we, he's the youngest. Yep. Um, my grandma, my great grandma, great granddad passed away. She worked in a hotel. Uh, was the, I don't know, I don't know if she was the madam the hotel but you know and then she married someone she from the, the hotel Chris. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and couldn't afford to have my granddad wow with the new the new um husband and said first out wow. see, you get, see you later yeah. nice. so you just look at that and you go that's 
that's com- that's a completely different environment. That different times, we've, hey. we've yeah. grown up with. You know? yeah. yeah. So yeah, I just I thank I thank my old man for having the foresight and going. Well, you're not you're not going to live how we lived. You are going to, and if I'm a bit harsh, then I know I've had the experience. Yeah. And he was a great mate. I got, not was, still is. He's still with us. But when I was a young fella, you know, I'd kick the footy with him. I'd play cricket in the front yard with him. I'd be, you know, and he's a school teacher, so it's great. You know, he'd finish at school and we'd hang out. We'd we'd be buddies. And uh, I I never never went through that phase of being embarrassed by my old man. I would always, you know, play footy i'd want to know what he thought get a hug from him you know tell him everything was all right or you know he'd tell me everything's all right you know and then he'd say you're fucking lazy you need to run more you know (laughs) that kind of thing you know you'd get (laughs) you'd get some honest feedback so yeah uh, i definitely helps with my parenting i'm probably a bit too uh too sensitive you know we look at i'm hugging all the time well, he'd be over the top. I think you know? that's great. I don't think there's I too don't much think hugging. Ever. No. no, yeah, I know. I just uh, often feel like uh, then, then the kids come to you for solutions in bad times, which I, I guess they're young, you know. But sometimes it builds a bit more resilience if you not hands off, but you know, I've got the th- I've, I want to fix everything and. You know, if my kid's crying or something's upset them, I'm going to go in and sort it out for them. But one of the things I've learned as a parent is I don't want to do anything for my kids that they can do themselves. So, Dad, I need a glass of water. You know where it is, you know. I'm not going to – sitting on the couch, I'm not going to go get you a glass of water. And then that that also applies to, you know, fixing your own problems. Not not being hands off, but offering solutions, and um, if if they can sort things out for themselves, I would rather see them get themselves out of the bind that they're in. And, and you know, when kids are young, it's not it might not be not anything massive. It might be the ability to I don't want to make a decision between am I going to have a sandwich for lunch and a sausage roll, arbitrary thing. But you know, if you can't make the decision, and you go sit in your room and you sulk about it, you. Know, well, Okay, well, I can't fix it for you. Here's some solutions. You got to come up with that issue yourself. I think that builds a bit of resiliency and and whatnot. But yeah, mate. And before you go, Mick, because I know you wanted to cut in there, I love that story, Jonesy, and it sort of um, indicates that you're a generation sort of ahead of us. Yeah, yeah I was thinking I mean? that when you were telling that your story. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, your dad was sort of like me and Smithy now. Yeah. If you know what I mean, and and you're a product of, of, of that breaking of the cycle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, whereas yeah. My, my kids will be the product of my breaking the cycle. Yes. So yes. You're, a, you're a generation ahead. So yeah. that's but a really cool story, man. I yeah. appreciate but that. I, I do that all the time. I wonder if that's a dad thing, the impatience, like you, you, you listen to the stories you're telling them. I, I do that all the time. I can't, <laughs> I can't put together this Ikea bit of furniture <laughs> and I throw this spanner, fuck, you yeah. know, yeah. And you, you, you get a bit grumpy and then I see my kids do it. Yeah. And I thought, oh, man, yeah. that's not ideal. But oh. they've definitely learnt that from me. Yeah. Oh, how many times <laughs> have you heard someone say that, you know, their three-year-old's gone, oh, fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
and just copying, you know? Yeah. 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 What did you want to input, mate? What did you, what did you say? I think Jonesy's just summed up a really the, the first point that's probably a bit of a takeaway in terms of consideration, which is environment. And the, the environment that our grandfathers were in, um, which created a, a hardness, um, not just grandfathers, but grandmothers, people in general, created a hardness. And that I think that generationally um, things have continued to shift um, and the environment has continued to change. And I think we're going to potentially talk about some big environmental concerns in terms of what our own children and families face currently. I think the other thing Jonesy spoke about is, is with us parenting the way that we do. And it's an interesting point to consider. I stumbled on a quote this week and it was, um, from an, uh, a post-apocalyptic author, and it was hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Mm. Good times create weak men, and weak men create hard times. Mm. And and it, it's, it's a cycle. It's, it's a it's a cycle, absolutely. And so it really made me consider. And the reason I sort of wanted to just pop this little thought in here now is because Jonesy was talking a lot about this instinct that we have um, for our own children uh, to, to jump in and, and to, um, as, as, as these affectionate protectors that we're evolving into, um, you know, we, we, Jonesy's still looking for avenues to develop that resilience. But I think we've all had the experience, or certainly I have, of, um, you know, say one of our kids is having a tough time at school, um, you know, maybe there's some issues with friendships or something like that and you want to just jump in and you want to solve it. And we're really robbing our kids of, of opportunities uh, to develop that, that really strong resilience set that we probably even had to develop, guys. You know, uh, I would say certainly my father was definitely um, more like Jonesy's dad in, in the context of um, I was definitely told I was loved, there was affection, there was all of those things. Um, but the, even the way that I do it is very different. And I do wonder, you know, it was the experiences I had that made me competitive and driven and all of these things. And it is an interesting question, certainly considering that quote, to think about what will our own kids be like, having had all of this extra affection and all these sorts of things. Now, no doubt they'll be empathetic, they'll be worldly, they'll be all of these great traits and characteristics. But what's the trade-off? You know, um, if, if this is a cyclical experience, you know, is, is there a negative trade-off there? And well, I think that's a really interesting thing to consider. Well, that's, that's the, that is a great quote. And interestingly, we didn't talk about it before on the podcast, you know, before we didn't set that up at all, but that I've read that recently as well. And I've thought a lot about it and yeah. thinking that we are on the end of that cycle. You know, we are, we are in some good times. Well, yeah. maybe not the last couple of years, but you know, we are, you know, we are a, a fairly affluent society. 
we're, you know, we're not, we're not really going through any wars. We're not building resilience or hard men in any way. And how do you go about getting that or finding that and, and, or finding that balance, you know, well, what are we doing? How do we, how do we get that for our kids? Yeah. And I think, um, there's a lot of studies out there that also prove that even just being a father present, you know, I love a study. I, you are, you do love your study. I know you've got a study up your sleeve. I don't, I don't have a study. Oh. Is it a Japanese study? <laughs> do you like your Japanese studies? They do some good studies. <laughs> busy. Uh, but no, there, there are studies that show that, um, a, a an active father in, in the family environment actually even just contribute naturally to a child's development of, um, of self-esteem, self-confidence, inner growth and strength. So that sort of inner growth and, and that strength or even resilience can be developed by having that father around, um, just having them involved in the family. Um, I, and I read a, a, a good quote, and this is from some child psychiatrist called Kyle Pruett. And he said, a father's more active play style and comparatively slower response to a toddler or infant experiencing frustration serve to promote problem-solving competencies and independence in the child. So, and I yeah. thought about that, and, and that's so true because um, when it, we, we are active with our play, we encourage mm. sort of... Um, Yes. Sort of rough play, wrestling, and yeah, wrestling yeah, yeah. competition, sure. stuff like that. Um, I remember doing that with my kids when they were little. Yeah. Um, but also, I noticed that when my my kids were struggling with something, I I didn't jump in straight away to tr- yeah, try to great, solve yeah. it. And I guess that um, that is a natural thing that fathers maybe do. And that well, you want to fix things, I, I you know you do. You, but you there want to is a time where you've yeah. got to hold back and let them Definitely. work it out themselves. And and therein lies just you know, a, a, an easy way of developing that sort of self-reliance for a child. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember seeing my young bloke sit up on the top lawn in our backyard for half an hour trying to tie his shoelaces. And he, ne- he did not stop. And this is a trait that he has today, that he will continue with something until he perfects it or until he can achieve it. And he sat up there for half an hour, I reckon, until he could tie his shoelace up. Yeah. And I just sat in the kitchen and I, I watched him. And I wasn't going to interfere, and I didn't even really think about interfering. I just let him do it, and he achieved it. That's almost a source of pride, I think, for a father, watching your son or daughter having the um, <clears throat> the sort of drive and the determination to solve a problem like that. That's mm. yeah, it's almost like a bit of a milestone, watching your kid yeah, tie, their, yeah. tie their shoelaces, isn't it? Like, that's yeah. a big deal when you're a kid and you finally work out how to tie your shoelaces. It's a rite yeah. of passage to yeah. tie your shoes, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, don't, yeah. I don't know how I feel about that, uh, that quote. Uh, I think it's a, a an awesome quote, and I, it resonates with me on a lot of levels. I don't know how I feel about that uh, as a as a child raising quote. Um, definitely open for the debate on it. I'd have to think about it for a bit, but I don't think being a hard man for your children will necessarily generate good times. I think being a caring, loving, present parent yeah, you're probably right. Uh, is is the way to go, or is the way that my wife and I have chosen uh, to raise our daughter. I think, I think metabolically, that's a really good saying. I think if you lived your life like that, uh, in terms of like having a lot of little hormetic stresses all the time, I think that's a really good way to live a healthy, sort of physical. Uh, yeah, life. yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know yeah. if it works or not. I, I know I Mikey has saying. the no. most background out of all of us. Obviously, um, quite the way along with a psychology degree, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how I feel about no, it. I, I, 
I get, yeah, I get what you're saying. You don't have to have a man. You don't have to have a war. No, I no, was probably yeah, being no, a bit yeah. extreme. You know, you don't have yeah. to have the Great Depression yeah. to go through a hard time. Yeah, a hard time could be a hard workout or a yeah, most definitely yeah, tough weeks. Going yep. and everyone's going to do it. And my daughter's about to go through or go to high school. Going to high school, yeah, that's hard. It is. It's going to be a hard yeah. time. Yeah, for it will us. be. Yep. That's something that we're talking about all the time. And that 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 hardness or going through that difficult period will build resilience. Will build you know problem solving skills, etc. Yeah. Yeah. So when you, I, I I agree. You don't need a hard time of a you know. Depends what you mean by hard, doesn't it? I yes, mean, yeah, yeah it's, it can Maybe obviously be taken in a lot of different yeah. ways. And it's a killer um, quote. I've, I've come across it before and yeah. it really resonated with me when I read it. But yeah, it's just, it's all about. I think if you if you extend it out though, like and I went I went deep diving once I read this quote because it really struck me, struck a chord with me. And there was an extension of it and it was, you know, my grandfather didn't have a car. You know, he used to walk to work at a point in time. My father walked to work, you know, my, my, my parents arrived in Australia with a couple of hundred pounds to their name. We lived on the floor in a church when we first got here. Um, so, you know, having a car, even when my dad then had his own family, you know, just one vehicle to transport us all around and, and um, you know, was a real luxury. You know, it, it was, it was, you know, we, we had made it almost because we had a vehicle to transport us, mum and dad to and from work and, and all of that sort of thing. So granddad walked, dad walked for a bit of time. He managed to get himself a car. Well, I turned 18 and I was gifted a 92 Hyundai Excel. Mm. So I was, I, I was actually given a car when I, when I was old enough to have a car. I, get, you know, I definitely... That was that was my parents saying, you know, um, you know, that was almost that rite of passage. You know, we've we've created a a a life for our family and son. That you know, this is what we'd like you to have. And I think about my kids and and how hard my wife and I have worked, and you know, touch wood, <laughs> um, you know, he won't need to be in a ninety two Excel. He's probably lucky enough to get to get something relatively new. Oh, he'll probably get a twenty twenty Prado or something, won't he? Bloody, <laughs> he's probably rolling electric, in the dough. An electric car, I reckon. <laughs> Bloody silver so spooners. The, yeah. So, the, so this is the thing. The interesting topic then becomes: at what point? Um, and and this is the 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 the, the I guess the thing I'm considering all the time is. What is this balance and how can we still instill these values of hard work in order to create a strong man? And what is that modern context of strong man? I think that's the really interesting thing for us to talk about because I totally agree with you, Maddie. Mm. And I will, I'll never shift how I am with my kids. You know, like the, the, the most, the most, Joyful part of my day is when the kids get up in the morning, they come straight into me and my wife, they hop into bed and we just get a cuddle for half an hour before we get ready for school. Like I absolutely love it. And my son is, you know, super affectionate, but I am considering, you know, not how can I flip that upside down and completely disrupt his life, but what points through his life, what lessons 
can I impart on him? What challenge, challenges can he be faced with that I can leave him to deal with? With a watchful eye on him so that I can still develop a strong man that can pass on these values because we don't just want to make it fucking easy for these guys. We don't. Yeah. Because we still want the work ethic. We still want the drive. We still want all of these things. We just want them to be able to communicate effectively with their own children when they have them, show love, nurture, show affection, all of these great traits that, you know, God bless, we've, we've come to start to place an importance on but we still want them to have all of these things and i think that's more where i leaned into the quote is what is this balance what is this careful balance what does what does a strong man mean to me in the modern context Mm. that's a great point mick and and that's where i reckon that quote is sort of leading towards is maybe the softness of modern day life and its easy conveniences Correct. And how that um, influences the development of young mm. young personalities. And, you know, like, like you were saying, you, you, your grandfather and your father walking to work and that sort of thing. You know, when I was in primary grade two, I used to ride half an hour to school. I'd come home and mum and dad would be at work and I was on my own. I'd let myself into the house and I'd, I'd be at home for an hour and a half, or whatever, until mum and dad got home. Isn't that funny? You too. That's... Early, yeah, but that's oh, probably yeah. what happened, right? Yeah. And oh, we're, yeah. you know, we, we think about these days, we're worried about, you know, your 10, 12-year-old kid doing that. Yeah. 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 Um, Some, sometimes it necessitates building that kind of yeah, resilience now, and, now and responsibility. Yeah, have been driven to school every year, yeah, every, yeah. every year of their school life um, because the schools are further, further away from our, our suburb and that sort of thing. So, you know, that they've missed out on some sort of, independence development i guess um but I, I guess with all this comfort around us this is where the importance of throwing our kids into environments that are challenging and, and that's where i reckon like as as a dad a simple thing you can do is go camping you know camping yes. just throws kids out of that comfort zone um and you and you get them in a tent they're, they're it's colder you know they're, they're out in the bush you know you can you can do a few little camp activities and stuff like that and i sort of fall back on my teaching days you know and yeah build exactly building a fire going getting collecting wood um going exploring you know working out where north south east and west is and that sort of stuff and just i I would really recommend that sort of those (laughs) activities when your kids are young in particular to to throw them out of that comfort zone of everyday life i i know we wanted to talk about rites of passage as a sort of and, and I really thought in the modern context, what are we talking about, you know? And I, I thought the same thing. I said, well, modern day, is that, you know, is that going camping? Is that sort of sending your kids on a school camp so they're away from you, you know, and they have got to build some tools around not always having mum and dad there and that crutch to lean on all the time? Yep. I, I, I was kind of struggling to come up with that concept of the rites of passage in a modern context, mm. but, and then I was coming around to, well, I don't really think it needs to be ancestral man and you go out and hunt a bear and you either live or die and you come back with the bear skin. And if you do, everyone cheers and you're now <laughs> a man, you know, 
I, I can see why that that kind of thing may have drifted away because as parents, you know, I'm, I don't really want to send my kid out there. He's, he's, you know, he's my legacy. I want to keep them. I don't really want to, because what if they don't come back? Yeah. But then again, I guess you train them to say, okay, well, you've now got the skills and maybe that's what that rite of passage is. And, and in a modern context, I was thinking, what is that going to be for us? And camping is definitely one of them. I was, that was one of the ones that I was coming up with, especially yeah. coming just back from having done some camping. Oh yeah. It's uh, yeah. it, it, it is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a good one. It's throwing, throwing your kids out there into a, a an unstable or unpredictable environment. Mm. And I, and I guess this is where there's the, weather there's yeah. Yeah. And I, I guess this is where the, the fault of modern day um, helicopter parenting comes into it as well. So that parent that's always sort of keeping an eye on their kids or following them around I'm a big believer and I've always let my kids um, fall and injure themselves. Obviously, you're, you're always aware that they're not going to, you know, injure themselves drastically or, or permanently, you know, head injuries and drowning and that sort of stuff. You know, you're always cautious of that. But I let my kids climb trees. We've got a nice big jacaranda out the front and I've let my kids climb that. And all I've just said is, I said, look, make sure that you've got two hands, two points of contact at least, um, a, a foot and a hand that is p- in a permanent position. And then I've just let them go for it. They've never fallen out of the tree and they've got to the very tip of it. And I've walked out sometimes and go, shit, bloody hell, they're high. <laughs> you know, and they're on a precarious branch, but yeah. they've, they've worked themselves into a position, um, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But I've always believed that um, my kids need to hurt themselves to learn and, again, build up that, that personal resilience of getting hurt and, and learning from the experience of how they, they yeah, got hurt. That's great. I, I, I'm, I'm big on natural consequences. Yes. You know, so we often, we're, we're going outside. This is similar to yours. You know, you're going outside, you give the kids the knowledge. You say, okay, well, we're going outside. It's quite cold. You're in shorts and a T-shirt. Do you think you'll be cold? Maybe. Uh, do you want a jumper? No. Okay. That's fine. I've given you the knowledge that outside is cold. Mm-hmm. We're going to go outside. We're going to go for a run around. We're going out to lunch, whatever it might be. You bring a jumper if you want. Don't bring one if you don't. And if you get out there and you tell me you're cold, well, that's a consequence of sort of not not taking some advice. That's right, yeah. And that's similar. Mm. You know. that's, that's sort of empowering your kids, isn't it? Like yeah, you're giving yeah. them uh, – you're showing them that you have the trust in them that they can make their own decisions yep. and then there is a minor consequence which may or may not work out for them so they might get a bit cold or yeah but for my daughter they might be uncomfortable but for my daughter she never wants to wear clothes when it's cold and she never wants to wear shoes and if she does want to wear shoes she wants to wear gumboots with no socks so we say to her look you can go outside either in bare feet or in gumboots with no socks but you're going to get blisters yeah and we've let her make that decision she's sort of four years old and she's come back with a blister on her foot before. Yeah. And we said, look, we, we told you that was going to happen, but she understands that she can make that choice. Yeah. So we're sort of giving her that uh, almost like that self-esteem to show that we trust her enough to make the choice. Yeah. We're never going to let her do something really dangerous. Um, and then she gets to deal with the consequence. And yeah. that's that's life, isn't it? That's and, right, yeah. And it's the same as climbing a tree. You're yeah. showing your kid, you're giving them uh, some tools, some knowledge. So saying, okay, keep your points of contact yeah. and that sort of thing. But you're showing them that you trust them enough and you're giving them the, the knowledge and the tools to let them explore that. 
And that's yeah. that's really good, isn't it? That's a really important part of life is to be given the the, the keys to that uh, task. Here's how you do it. Go off yeah. and do it. Yeah. There are some consequences. But you're showing them that you trust them enough to do it. Yeah. And that's huge. That's good for their self-esteem. Oh, dad thinks I'm big enough and capable enough to climb the tree. Mm. And when they, you're a little kid, that's a big deal. Yeah. And intrins- <coughs> excuse me, intrinsically they know they know their limits, I reckon, and they go, they climb that tree and they go, oh, that's that's a bit far, it's a bit scary. I'm not going to go that one today. Maybe tomorrow, maybe I'll try that again. And, and yeah, empowering them to make those decisions and come up with that themselves, I think is awesome. And I think this is where the importance of father comes into it because, and I, I did a little bit of research on, on different parenting styles and... And I'm, I'm definitely, definitely not bagging mother's styles here, but they complement each other. So a father definitely um, encourages sort of risk taking. So sort of like say, let's just use the climbing of the tree example. They encourage competition, they encourage independence, and they encourage um, risk taking. Where a mother will promote more um, care uh, and and less and, and more a, a more sense of security with with the kids and i'm I'm not saying that one style is or the one one nature of of the the parent is better than the other yin and yang you've got to have both definitely definitely you've got to have that mother's influence like you've got to have the mother come out and look at the kid in the tree and go and and give her her sense of care and her sense of concern But you've also got to have that balance of the father going, yeah, get to the top. Yeah. Just make sure you do this and that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, if you fall, it's on you, you know, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, you've got to have that balance. And I think that's really important. I think ancestrally, I mean, that's why male and female would have paired up together and have done so for millions of years probably is that, one, parenting's hard. <laughs> you, can't, you can't really do it on your own. Well, you can, you know, definitely. There are great single parents out there. Yeah, definitely. But, but you kind of need people around you to, to give you a hand, don't you? Mm-hmm. You know, I guess that's why, you know, even in the caves and the tribes, you would have paired up and sort of lived together and done that kind of thing. Yeah. I, I, I read, read a good quote. It said, uh, dads tend to see their child in relation to the rest of the world. Mums tend to see the rest of the world in relation to their child. I found that quite an interesting one. And from a father's point of view, to see their child in relation to the rest of the world, I don't know whether you guys agree to that, but I'm always thinking about how my my child is going to fit in and, and their their personalities will fit into the world. Yeah, definitely. There's, a nat- there's natural consequences to that too. You know, the, the way you behave on the playground, if, if you are selfish and don't share you're probably not going to have any friends. Mm. But if you Mm. can learn to interact with people, share, play nicely, all those personality traits, you're going to have plenty of friends. Mm. So it's interesting, you know, the natural consequence of, you know, not being such a nice person is, you know, you're probably not going to have any friends. And then, and, and I'm not saying, you know, at three, four, five, six years old, you are not a nice person. It's just that you haven't developed that yet. And then if you are learning these consequences of, oh, if I share and I'm nice to people, 
more people will play with me and I have more friends and more interaction and you learn, okay, that's how I need to behave. Mm. Yeah. I think also kids go through a lot of stages, don't they? Like they don't oh, often definitely. have the uh, emotional stability yeah. at different times during their life to, like I remember cringing when my daughter was a bit younger at certain times and she'd go through certain phases, you think, oh my God. But yeah. It's just it's just like a short-term thing often and it's yeah. I mean, they go through limit testing phases and they go yeah, through yeah, yeah. all those different times. Yeah. But no, I think we always, I think as parents, the trap is as well, you want to be seen to have that really well-behaved kid that really fits into society and yeah. it's often not the case with your kid depending on like developmentally where they are yeah, and then yeah. it's the sort of trap of like, am I doing this because... I want to be seen to be, you know, have a really good child or am I yeah. doing this because it's what I should do for the kids? So I think it's hard sometimes to sort of suck it up and swallow it and think like, yeah. well, this is – you're obviously going to stop them if they're doing something really inappropriate, yeah. but at the same time you've got to let them find their limits and sort of find who they are. So, yeah, it's a balance, isn't it, yeah. being a parent? I think you Real forget balance. they're only little sometimes and, yeah. and it's not just – you know, they're going through changes all the time. They're yes. growing teeth. You know, they're getting there's, – there's hormonal development all the time. It's not just, you know, hitting puberty and then we're getting hormones. You know, six or seven young boys, they go through, you know, a, a burst of testosterone and you you kind of forget that that influences their behaviour, you know, and it makes them tired and makes them grumpy. Sometimes you can't really work out what's going on until you kind of sit back and realize, okay, well, there's maybe there's some physiological things going mm. on as well. You know, being patient is a great one, isn't it? Not jumping yeah. to snapping all the time and, you know, what's wrong with you, you know, sitting back and thinking, okay, so, something's going on here. Yep. I always make an effort to um, just ask my kids, you know, how are you going? Right? Just yeah, yeah. sit down with them and say, what's going on? Just try to get into their mind and just get them to start talking. Yeah. With a teenage girl, it can be quite difficult, but as soon as you, as soon as you if you're opening those surface, channels, that's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah. as long as they know that that channel is there, yeah, um, yeah, just keeping that line of communication. I think communication with your kids is absolutely paramount. Um, I feel like in the next few years, with my daughter being eleven, I'll be ringing you up a lot for some advice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, what mate, do I do here? Look, it's a it's a massive adjustment for yeah, a, for yeah. a father, particularly if you're close to your daughter. Yeah, when, you, when when they're young, and Smithy, you've got a, a young daughter, and and so do you, Mick, and, and you do too, Jonesy as well. But my my daughter and I were very very close. She was very much a daddy's girl, and it took a massive adjustment period for me um, f- when she became a teenager and started becoming independent. You know, it was sort of hitting. I, I was sort of heading towards fifty. You know, I'm going through my own life changes as well. Um, but my daughter was going through some massive changes and. From a little girl that was always wanted to be around dad and hugging and, you know, we'd dance in the kitchen and stuff like that. And for them, for her just to, to distance herself from me, it broke my heart. Yeah, um, got this coming up. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is brutal. It, it is yeah. absolutely brutal. But it took me a while to adjust and to learn and to to realise that that is her becoming her, her own yeah. independent young yeah. woman. Yeah, And. I take pride in the young woman that she is becoming uh, because she has got good morals. She's a good kid. Yeah. She works hard at school. She can be easily influenced, I think. Um, that all, they all count at that time, yeah, don't they? You yeah. Know? Everyone yeah. wants to be cool and fit in. and Yeah, I guess you know. so. Yep. Yeah. 
But I think I've done the groundwork. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, what do they say? The first seven years is you mm, create your, yeah. your, your person. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's that I can let her go now to the point where she's got, you know, a young friend who's a boy coming over to spend time at the house. They spend time in the bedroom together. I'm pretty confident that they're not, not doing anything. Um, <laughs> You know, everyone that I say this to have a laugh at me. I remember talking to um, one of our, uh, one of our other naivety. friends, you know, and yeah, yeah. Uh, he was telling Can me. Can one of you guys just pass through a tissue there, please? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I know, and you know what, to be honest, as a father, I would rather, if she was doing anything with a boy, that she was doing it in my house and not somewhere else. Mm. Uh, as much as that sort of wigs me out thinking about it, um, I would rather that be the case. They're going to do it anyway. They're yeah. young humans. They are experimenting with sexuality and whatever. And I don't think anything's going on. I think they're two innocent kids. Yeah. Um, but if they were, then all the better for it happening under my roof mm. than, than somewhere else. And, and that tells me that my daughter is comfortable in her home environment to be able to do express herself in yeah. that sort of way, and you now I must be might be sounding like a, a, a pussy of a dad here, but um, he's not gonna. The boy's never gonna ever sort of like rule the roost in my house. Like he came over <laughs> over the weekend, and um, I was in the study on the computer, right? And he, I knew he came in through the the other uh, kitchen door, and to go into my daughter's area of the house, he would have had to pass me and see me in the study. Now, I didn't look back. I just waited for him to come in and say, hello, how are you? I'm here, you know, blah, blah, blah. He never did. So when he left, um, I said, oh, g'day, mate, how you going? I didn't even know you were here. Hey, next time, how about you come and say g'day and let me know you're here? Oh, yeah, 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 sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, catch you later. And, he, and I said, yeah, no, <laughs> he's, he's a good kid. But that, how, good is, how good is that of you, you know? Yeah, well, I just wanted him to know that yeah. there are expectations. And then when he left, I told I told my daughter, he, he failed the test there. Uh -huh. There was a little test I was just giving <laughs> yeah. him there because I expect <laughs> a young man coming into my house to greet me because I am, this is my house. He needs to greet me. And I said, he can greet me with hi, Mr. Stevens. And she said, my daughter said, what, Mr. Stevens? And I said, yeah. That's what you should call all your parents, all the parents of your friends when you go over there and let the parent tell you that it's okay to call them by their first name. And I will tell him, as soon as he calls me Mr. Stevens, I'll say, no, that's okay. You can call me whatever. Another test. Yeah. Tick that off the list. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But it's nice of you to do that because can you imagine, oh, you remember being a 16-year-old boy going to a girl's house with their parents there. You're, it's scary, right? Yeah, but you, the thing is, quite. mate, back in those days, I would have gone to the gone to them and shook their hand and said, hi, Mr. So-and-so. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess... Um, well, maybe I didn't. Yeah, I don't... Uh, well... Yeah, it's easy to say. Yeah, yeah. Now, I yeah. Mean, <laughs> different, different personalities. You might be a shy young man. He yeah. just might need mm. that little, little invitation that you gave him to mm. not be so nervous because... You're intimidating. Get in there, you <laughs> jacked fifty-year-old. You know, come to visit your daughter. You're like, oh, geez, sitting this in guy's a study with his jocks. Yeah. On. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you had jocks on today? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
just finished my cold water immersion, dude. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Not much to see here. I was going to say, you wouldn't be looking that impressive. No. <laughs> You'd end up being like a normal fella. Uh, yeah. But what you know, you've just described there is a rite of passage. That's exactly what you've just described yeah, for, yeah, you, yeah. for your daughter. You have just described an expectation as she evolves into... Oh, I don't know what you would actually call adolescence. It's a, it's a period within adolescence where, she, like you said, she's moving into um, sexuality exploration, um, you know, being attracted to the opposite sex, these sorts of things. And you're setting an expectation, a rite of passage that, hey, I completely support this as your father and I will create a safe environment for, for you know, for you to interact. However... This is an expectation I have under my roof, and I think that's absolutely fucking fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with having expectations. No. Um, I think the expectation um, that I've always instilled in my kids is always respect the mother, and that that I think is an old school tradition mm. um, that I believe also needs to be continued. Always respect the mother. No one swears in front of the mother. Uh, I don't swear in front of my mum. Um, I find it a little bit uncomfortable when grown men swear in front of their mothers. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm big on that too. Yeah, yeah. I think mm. the utmost that um, a father can do to create that harmony in the in the family environment is to always display and expect the mother's respect, respect my mother. Mm. Um, and it also helps, you know, you the children see you as the father working in tandem with, with mum. And I, and I reckon that's a key... One one thing that I would always recommend as a parent is always support each other, even though you might slightly disagree with yeah. what your partner's saying in front of the kids. United front. Back, be a united front, back each other totally. up. I think that's really important. Then maybe you can have a you know, talk about it afterwards and say, oh, jeez, I didn't, wasn't really 100% on board with that one, Dale. But, um, Dale. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, I'll, I'll, you know, we'll stick to it. Yeah, I think yeah. you've got to show a yeah. united front and the yeah. kids kids need to see that. Yeah. Yeah. Jonesy, you were saying earlier, um, and, and this is this is a really cool one I think to dive into a little bit, is when you were looking at rites of passage, you didn't really know where to go. And I, I was a little bit similar. So I started to think about it from the lens of what are the lessons that I'd like to or the key lessons I'd like to pass on to my children in terms of life skills, survival, um, or, or just living. And what I actually did in the, over the weekend, guys, was I sat down with the kids um, when we were having lunch and I started a conversation with them about, you know, what are some things that you think mum and dad have, have, you know, and I didn't use this language, but effectively tried to instill within you. And we actually came up with four things. My, and my daughter's eight and my son's five. So the, the way that they framed it is a little bit differently to what I'll say, but I'll, I'll explain that. And I'm interested to see what your lessons are as well. But the, the first one that they said that we, and, and this is literally what my daughter said, you, you and mum are always going on about that, is about the importance of um, breathing and meditating. And she said, you know, I meditate, I meditate every day. And that's something we've really, um, we've been really strong on with the kids from the perspective of managing, monitoring, mediating their own stress. 
So that was one really, really important one for us. Um, another one was, and this is my young bloke, he said, well, you make me make my bed in the morning and we have to do chores. And, I, and we went on to talk about that and we said that that was about respecting yourself and respecting your belongings and you have to contribute within the home. And we had this conversation about why that was important. And the next two I really, really loved were um, Joy, my, my son said to me, he said, you, you're constantly telling me that I should be kind, for, be kind to people. And one of the things we've spoken about with the kids is about seeking opportunities to do random acts of kindness. And I was watching him at school the other day when I dropped him to school and they have to line up with their lunch boxes and their, their different bits and pieces. And there was a little girl next to him whose parents weren't there in the morning and she couldn't carry all her stuff in. And it was just something simple, but he just picked up her drink bottle and he said, I'll carry that in for you. And he's only five years old. And I don't know, maybe that's a really common thing to do. But as his dad observing him, I thought, you know what, that actually showed a level of awareness that I didn't expect. And it was just, it, it was just like something that he, he just did without thinking. And it made me proud in the moment because I thought, you know what, this, this, this is rubbing off. Yeah, and I the think... last one, which, which my daughter said, and, and then I'll let you go, was, was <laughs> you're constantly telling me to work hard at swimming. So when we go down to squad swimming, uh, when my, the, the kids, will, it's always after school and the kids will have something to eat. And then I'll say to my daughter and my son as they're going off, you're only here for, you know, my son's in the water for 40 minutes and my daughter's in, in, in for 75. But I'll say you're only here for a short amount of time. Work your hardest while you're here. And the message there that I'm trying to impart on the kids is anything is possible if your intention is matched by hard work. And so they're, they're four really clear messages that we dissected as, as a family on the weekend. And they're four things that I think there's probably others that are really, really important as well, but really, really important for us. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Really, uh, it's, it's great that you actually talk about it with your family, I think. We definitely have similar I, I might I'm gonna use that tonight, I reckon. Ask ask the kids what they think. And I would hope that they would say similar things. You know, contribution. We we make yeah, we make the kids do some work around the house. And yep. you know, we, we don't tie anything monetarily to it. I mean they have chores that they get paid for, but some of the stuff that they have to do is to contribute to the family. Feed the dog, empty the dishwasher, you know, those kind of things. Do some washing, yeah. do some of your own washing. You're doing that to contribute to the family because everyone's working hard, everyone's part of part of a team. And and that the kindness one I, I don't think I think you should be quite proud of that. I Yeah, that's you know, right. I, I do a lot of work with kids in around sort of schools, sporting clubs. You don't often see that kind of behavior. And it's interesting you say that I, I watched my young fella play footy on the weekend. Uh, a young guy got an award, you know, a, a best player award, you know, probably not the best player. He's, he struggled a bit. And my young bloke went over there and put his arm around him and patted him on the back. And I thought it was amazing. So stuff yeah. like that, you know, watching your kids, or just just kids in general, that doesn't happen often. 
Mm. So you can definitely take away from that that you know you're doing you're doing something right, and and your kids are a good kid. You know, that's what I was going to say to you. And you guys should be proud that um, those sort of behaviours are just demonstrating uh, your your impact mm. on their development. And you yeah. should be really proud, and you should take take you know take a, a note of of, yeah. of, of grat- gratification, you know, success in that because yeah. that that's your uh, that's your I don't know, parenting development of your child influence, influence coming out yeah. and demonstrating in that in that yeah. sort of way, knowing that those four things, whether you kind of discuss them like you have, Mickey, or know that they are overarching could it sort of statements or, or you know mission statements of your family underlying that you are kind of continually upholding I guess pushing that forward with your kids um, I guess to verbalize it is great which you have done Mick uh, but I guess hopefully yeah they know it intrinsically rather than you know it, you don't have to point it out if that makes sense but I think it's good yep. that you did. Yeah, you know? it's good to verbalise yeah. One of one of ours would be we've got a little. My wife's got a painting on the wall. Everyone's weird to someone, you know. So <laughs> everyone's weird. No, I'm weird. Everyone's weird, you know. Like I dance and sing around like a lunatic in the house, you know, and uh, often get. Oh, you're a bit weird. Yeah, well, everyone's a bit weird. So you just need to be, you know, tolerant of everyone. Yeah, everyone's. A little bit weird in their own way. Mate, I reckon that's just an awesome thing about being a, a dad is yeah. you can just be wacky and weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and just just you can be a comic, you know, yeah, you yeah. can be a dancer. You know, yeah. we've always got music on in the house yeah, and yeah. I find music is really important. Uh, it's, a, it's It can encourage moods. It yeah. can um, bring people together. You know, we try to sing. My, my kids know a lot of 80s music. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think, yeah, it's, it's important. And, you know, talking about chores and stuff like that, I would really, um, we got a dishwasher, most people will have a dishwasher. I'd really recommend making sure at, at the end of dinner, um, and there's another thing, having dinner together. Yeah, but yeah. That's doing um, the dishes together, having to do the dishes manually, you will find, try it with your kids, doing the dishes is a great time for families to to talk, s- talk yeah. and, have chat, yeah. and have a chat. Mm-hmm. Uh, my kids are doing the Baby tea towel whipping yeah. thing. You know, they're piss farting around <laughs> while, and, they're, and they're having a, they're practicing on me. I'm washing the dishes and they're using my ass to practice the towel t- um, whipping <laughs> thing. But I love it, you know. And <laughs> yeah. the, the dishwashing time is actually quite a dynamic um, little time. My kids wrestle, they fuck around um, and I'll let them do it. Because yeah. they'll, they'll get to the dishes. They'll get to the dishes in time. And they'll, they'll complete it. You know, now my daughter's getting up and she's washing and my young blokes, they're, they're starting to do it themselves. But yeah. um, I think it's really important. Just something simple like that yeah. can bring the family together over a chore um, and it makes the chore sort of enjoyable. Yeah. But going back to dinner together, I reckon that's imperative. Yeah. Yeah, As that's a father, really, really try to be strict with that. Like we just have maybe Friday nights and Saturday nights. We'll, you know, sit in front of the telly having something different, but... Every other night, we sit together at the dinner table yeah. and we talk. I agree. I think that's dinner. a big one. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I think a really good one is learning to take care of an animal. Yeah. Yeah. That responsibility and that care and that love that you give to another living thing. Uh, so for us at home, my little girl, um, well, she's only four, so she doesn't exclusively take care of them, but she mostly takes care of our flock of uh, chickens. 
and she's got a little, little pony as well. Awesome. So part of our morning uh, ritual or routine is that she'll go out and she'll open up the chickens because they've got to be locked away at night due to foxes and stuff like that. So we'll open the door to the chickens and then as soon as they come out, they're starving. So we've got two different types of food. So she'll have to put the food out for them. Uh, and then she's got to make sure they've got water. Um, and part of it is also making sure that their coop is clean. So once a week or so, usually with mum, she'll go out there. And again, she's not quite old enough to do it herself, but she helps usually Sue's my wife, uh, sometimes me, clean out the, the chicken coop and make sure they got like good conditions. And then even to the to the point that we've we've hatched a few uh, baby chickens from eggs. So we get, because uh, we've got roosters and chickens, so we get fertilised eggs. And if we get a clucky chicken, she'll sit on the eggs and then we'll watch. And eventually you get a few more little baby chickens come out and then she has to care for them. So we'll put them in a separate little box and we'll make sure that they're warm and they've got enough water and they got their little heat lamp running and it's like a whole process it's almost like a yeah. process of life where she's making sure yeah, they've yeah. got all the conditions like like the warmth and the heat the water the food and everything like that just to almost be solely responsible for another life yeah uh, and it's the same with their horse like go out and brush it and give it love and sort of teach it a few commands and connect with it by riding and things like that but i think it's a really good way to give her responsibility and the self-esteem that it's sort of like her job to do that. Yeah, mate, that's and awesome. a real nurturing yeah. type thing as well, teaches, and she loves teaches it. Teaches some empathy. Exactly know, right, it's, yeah. It's, yeah, yep. it's great. She'll you, see if one's injured or anything like that, and most of our chickens are really tame now because she's quite nice to them, so she can pick them up and pat them, and they enjoy having cuddles, and yeah. yeah, it's her little way of connecting with nature and being outdoors and also, yeah, getting to nurture and look after another living being. Yeah, yeah and not only important. just that emotional development that your daughter's receiving from that, but you were also giving her responsibilities and tasks. Exactly. You know, and yeah. for a young age, she yep. is, she's she's doing jobs. She's yeah. working. She's yep. she's realising responsibility. Yep. That's fantastic, yeah. mate. I mean, that's just all going to benefit her yeah. in the long run. And it's something that she wants to do. It's not like a chore for her. Yeah. It's actually like a real drive. Like she knows it's her job to, to look after those. So. Yeah. Sometimes in the morning we'll be having a lazy morning and she'll be like, Daddy, we've got to let the chickens out. Like, oh, yeah, we do. Yeah. Yep, Go outside and take the yeah. kitchen scraps out and give them the scraps. And Good. Yeah, yeah, it's a nice little, nice little way to get her outdoors as well. And Yeah, well, you're, yeah. you're quite fortunate with your semi-rural sort of environment yeah, there, aren't yeah, you? That yep, she, can, yep. she can go out and immerse herself in nature yep. and, you know, put her hands in dirt and soil. Yep. And, and that, that could be a dog or a cat or, or a bird or yep. you know, even a goldfish or anything really for any yep. sort of person. But I think just an, looking after another living animal, I think is a really good way to teach kids yeah. responsibility. And it's usually in a way that they quite enjoy. Yep. So I think kids enjoy looking after even a fish, you know, as a kid, I had oh, a fish and you know, clean, clean the tank and change the water and give yeah. it some food. And, and it also, like thinking of at the other end of it all, it teaches them about life and death. You know, when, when yeah. that animal passes away, that, that they've got to learn that, you know, death is a part of life. Yep. And they they learn to cope with that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, definitely. Yeah, we just had um our uh, our beloved dog put down in, in February this year. And it was um it was full and heartbreaking and my wife and I are still getting over it. My my, my wife will tell us that it's like she's lost a third child. Mm. Um we had smokes uh, from the time our kids were about three and uh, he grew up with them. And I reckon you have, we're sort of going off track about father, fatherhood and parenting here, but I reckon you have different, you have dogs in different stages of your life. So as a young boy, you'll probably have a dog that you, that you grew up with. 
you might then have a dog as a young bachelor, you know, that you go for runs with and, and that sort of thing. Pick you up chicks with. Pick up chicks with, you know, <laughs> you go down the park with and, you know, oh, meet, meet your dog. future wife yeah. or whatever down there. Cute dog. <laughs> and, but then you'll also have a dog that I reckon um, plays a part in your, your, as you're a grown man, you might be a little bit more distant from that dog, but it's more your, your kid's dog. And Smokey was that for us. And he was a part of the family. He was such a beautiful dog. Um, he, I reckon he understood English. You know, he just, he knew, he knew how our family ticked. He was such a beautiful natured dog. Anyway, he got crook and come February we had to make the decision of, of putting him down. He was, he was uncomfortable, he couldn't walk anymore and, and it, was, it was his time. Uh, and we asked our kids, we said, look, do you want to be involved in, you know, the vet was coming over to our house. We went to a nice little area that he loved under the gazebo at the backyard. And um, we said, do you want to be around Smokes when, he, when, he, when he's put down, when he passes away? And straight away they said, yeah. They did not hesitate, and I was really proud of that. Um, and they came out, and we were all blubbering, we were all in tears. Um, but my kids held him; they they held him as he as he drifted away. And I just thought, what a great lesson in life for them. And and I was also really proud of their courage uh, to to be a part of it. Mm. We would have been a lot easier to go. No, I don't want to watch it, um, and just be away yeah. from that experience. But they they got involved, and it was it's it was. It's part of that empathy and compassion, isn't mm. it? I want to be there so he's comfortable. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, I, I, I think. Yeah, I think um, having yeah. a dog in your family mm. um, is a really important thing. And yeah. going along, yeah. with, along what you I just agree, said yeah. there, Smitty, about yeah. having the love of, a, of an animal. I think dogs, you know, even cats, <laughs> yeah, to some yeah. extent. Yeah. <laughs> but you can't go wrong with a dog, you know? Yeah. yeah. Good for allergies too, for kids. Just yeah, going off on a tangent, yeah, but yeah. exposure to animals and gut health. that sort of thing, yeah. gut health, it's yeah. uh, definitely proven to yeah. increase their health. Yeah. yeah. Mm. We got anything else we wanted to discuss in this in this topic? Are we Oh, we could go on forever. You know, I, I think there's a lot of um a lot of things you could talk about about, you know, advice or sort of rules. I, I would always just say to dad, always tell your kids you love them. Always yeah. be free with hugs, hug all the time. Lots of cuddles, lots of I love yous. Yeah. You know, your kids aren't going to know that you love them unless you tell them. Yeah. You know? I yeah. think they need a lot of physical hugs and things. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Yep. The comfort of, you know, a tough day at school or something. Yeah. Hug. Yeah. Yeah. And yep. it was funny, my wife and I were walking uh, our, our other dog uh, down the park yesterday and we come across a, a bloke around the corner who had a, a pram, obviously just had a newborn, a little freshie, and um, he had a little daughter as well and he was pushing the pram, obviously trying to get the kid to sleep and... We had, I said, oh, you know, got a new one. He goes, yeah, yeah, you know, just uh, can't wait for this to this this to be over, sort of thing, you know. And I said, mate, yeah, don't wish too hard because, and I always say this to new dads, um, don't wish the time away because the, the time goes so fast. Mm-hmm. Before you know it, they are teenagers, and although it's hard, some of the times of of being a parent can be difficult and challenging. Just sort of immerse yourself in it. And I know you've got other shit going on. You know, you've got work, you've got bills, you've got, you know, you've got to go and do your workout, your exercise, you've got your missus, you've got other commitments. But the child is such a precious, a precious part of your life that you've only got a short amount of time to have a, an influence. And before you know it, they've got wings and they're on their own. So don't wish that time away. No, not at all, yeah. That's a, that's a totally. good advice, I reckon. 
What about what about the the consideration of in the modern context, guys? What are some of the challenges that we're facing? And I think it's it's probably a cool thing to to explore because we're all at different phases or um, of of parenthood in terms of the age of our children. But you know, we spoke about the environment from the context of our parents and what they were faced with, and how some of those things have have rolled you know, rolled down to impact us as, as young men and as fathers. But what about what about some of the challenges and concerns? I spend an unhealthy amount of time up at night, you know, worrying about the future for the, for our kids. And I'm sure you guys are doing the same thing. But what what are what are maybe we explore some of these challenges and, and talk about them and see if we can't normalise those a little bit for people. Yeah, definitely mate. There's um a lot of challenges, and I considered this uh, before we started chatting today. And everything's a challenge, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, there are certain certain <laughs> the way the world's going at the moment. Um, you know, and 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 I I had sort of consider the demasculation of men in in society, and and sort of driven to us by by media, and and you know, you, you look at some adverts, adverts, advertisements, and even movies. They make the male character in it seem to be a dopey, stupid bastard, idiot. you know, yeah. a bubbling idiot. Yeah. You know, man, men are being demasculinized uh, for whatever reason there is, some, some sort of agenda. And, and some people will call me a conspiracy theorist on this, but I don't really care. I just think that there, there is a demasculination of men. And, and I think a part of that is the gender-neutral language now that's that's crept into our society. So there are things like, um, you know, the gestational, the non-gestational parent, or the um, the lactating parent, um, the birthing or the non-birthing parent, and things like this. Trying to avoid or trying to, to dehumanise or blur the meaning of man and woman. And look, I'm totally I totally understand that there are families out there with two dads, you know, or or um, or homosexual um, relationships who who have families, and I'm all for that. I'm all for any family environment, any environment exactly. Yeah, so as long as that a child is being brought up with love and in an environment that is nurturing, I'm, I don't care who the parents are. You know, two blokes, three blokes, you know, men and women, two women, whatever. But I just I just don't think we need to be blurring the definition of a man and a woman. You know, and, and, and coming up with these things, you know, chest feeding and all this sort of stuff. Like, what, what's wrong with the word breastfeed? You know, I, I don't have breasts. I'm a man. I have a chest. Uh, I don't chest feed. <laughs> all these sort of terminologies are becoming a little bit sort of commonplace. Uh, whether it be a leftist world we're heading in, I don't know. But I just think that that, that is a challenge, particularly for fathers. I think the, one of the issues is nobody wants to be seen as um, what's the word? Bigoted or, you know, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Virtue signaling, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, well, I don't, I, I'll, I'll, I'm not bullied into using that language, but I will use that language because I don't want to be seen as, I'm not a bigot, I don't want to be seen as being that way. You have I don't a want desire to, be, to fit into societal norms yeah, and you don't, and want, I don't to want to be the outsider. Yeah, I don't want to be called a racist because I'm not, but I, if I use certain terminology or, you know, uh, if I'm not using the right pronoun, somebody's going to say, oh, you bigot, you, 
you know, that's I think that's an issue. Yeah, mm. and that that's their issue, mate. You know, I reckon someone uh, referring to you as something like that at, at a whim without, you know, really delving into your personality. Yeah. I think that's quite oh, shallow uh, on their behalf. Definitely. You know? like, yeah. yeah. People are quick to label others. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you're the most least racist, sexist person I know. You know, you're mm. a very um, worldly person. For someone to sort of, it's a cheap shot, I think. But in just in general, I mean, you know, it, you know, you don't want to use the incorrect language and be labelled something else or something that you're not. You know, yeah. mm. but how can it's, you be labelled something by using the term man and woman as incorrect? Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? That, that but that's, yeah. that, I guess, that's how far we've gone away and I guess that's what you're getting at is that that's a bit of an issue. So I mean the solution for our family at this stage having a young daughter uh, controversial is we don't watch any TV in the house yeah. at all. We don't watch any. Yeah. So Charlotte has never watched TV with us Yeah. ever. Yeah. Good. Well done. Um, it's obviously yeah. not a solution forever but I just don't we don't feel like she needs it at an early stage. Yeah. Uh, I'm aware she watches a little bit when she goes to her grandparents house but she'll watch like Thomas the Tank Engine or sort of like children's type shows. Yeah. yeah. But I think when they're very early, uh, say like seven or less, and, and they're sort of more open to uh, sort of being imprinted, I, I just don't think it's worthwhile, like for our family, for her to, to watch TV. So that's that's what we've chosen to do. But yeah. we do get a lot of people who really <laughs> take exception to that and feel like we're really going to ruin her life by not letting her watch nah, telly. Uh, nah. She can catch up when she's older and yeah. it's not going to be like she's 16, she can't watch TV or anything like that. At but least by then, mate, she's maybe formed her own... Uh, opinions and values yeah. and they haven't been sort of f- forced or sublim- subliminally subliminally that's the one that we uh, force upon her that's that's the one we're trying to avoid is that I, I believe children are very susceptible to imprinting when they're young yep. so I think I think I've read when they're less than seven they sort of have different brain waves to us and they're more in like a dreamlike state and their their minds are very much more open so I feel like if there is any sort of imprinting that's going to go on it's probably when they're younger so that's something that we've chosen to do and it's a really hard way to parent because you can never, ever plonk them down in front of the TV and think, oh, I can buy myself half an hour here while she watches I think that's Postman a Pat. A, or yeah, <laughs> It's a bit of a trap. Well, it is a bit of a trap because I think to myself sometimes, oh, it would be so easy if we watch telly and I could get up in the morning, I'm feeling a bit tired, could just flick on the box and buy myself a little bit of time to go and do something. But at, at the same time... Hopefully it's worthwhile. And I think yeah, that can lead us run, into, Smitty, one of the other challenges, and I think that's technology. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mick, I don't know whether you – your kids are getting a bit older now with your, your young daughter as well, um, but my kids are fully immersed into technology and social media, and I think uh, for parents in the modern world, I think that is – that's a massive challenge. And I was talking to my wife about this, and, and she said, you know, you've, you can't deny them technology because it is going to be a part of their life as much as we resist it because we never grew up with it well I didn't for them it is going to be their way of life Mm. um you know they will probably accept uh artificial intelligence and they will accept having maybe a, a brain chip or something like that where they can communicate with someone else without having a device in their hand but to me that's that's inhuman or not human, but to them that future is a, is sort of a reality for them. It's and we need to sort of accept and give them the technology, but also give them guidelines on how to safely use it. Mm. What would you say, Mick? I mean, social media technology. I think um, I think it's arguably our greatest challenge, guys. 
and I think that you, you, you're spot on in what you're saying. Um, the, the, the reality is, is that the algorithms and the, the technology is now so advanced that it's, it's outside of the scope of control. And so what I mean by that is that, uh, as we know, every, our phones, our, our tablets, our computers, they are all um, decoding and taking away messages from every single thing that we do, from the things that we look at, the phone calls we make, the people we interact with, you know, every single piece of information is basically fed in. And, and so what we now know is happening is that what is then presented to us in the way of advertisements, in the way of, um, you know, new videos and things like that is strategically designed to keep us online. Uh, and, and in, in, in that process is where these addictive, uh, states develop and where this becomes really, really dangerous is as adults, we're able to rationalize, although there are large numbers of adults that are also addicted to social media, but we're, 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 we're far better, uh, I guess, able to, to deal with, with the nuances of, of social media and, and, and all of that stuff. Our kids aren't mm. okay. They haven't developed the resilience. They haven't developed the, developed the coping mechanisms. They haven't developed the strategies, you know, all of these things that are required in, in order to mitigate that addiction um, and that sort of thing. And so we, we, we're establishing a generation of kids here who are highly traumatized and anxious because they aren't actually able to cope with, with the amount of information that they're processing. And I remember a couple of years ago in one of my psychology units, reading a statistic that kids are taking in something like, I think it was a hundred million pieces of information a second. Wow. Now that's not conscious information. That's subconscious, unconscious, conscious. So that's, you know, from the, every single thing that they wire into with their tablet is just being received. And they've never, ever, ever, ever had to do that in their lives. And they are just bombarded and they can't cope. And it's a real worry. It is a real, real worry. Because as we know, addictions are very real things. Um, you know, we tend to look at addictions in the way of drugs and alcohol and, and things like this. But this, this, in my eyes, <laughs> the pandemic... Um, I've said this before, the, re the real pandemic in across the globe at the moment is a mental health pandemic. And I, and I would argue that if it's not the worst component of it, it'd be in the top three and it's, it's these addictions to social media. Yeah. It's there are things you can do with devices and whatnot. I mean, they don't have to sit on them forever. There are parental controls you can put on apps time screen time limits yeah that kind of thing i mean we're similar to you guys rooster in that you know my, our kids my kids use an ipad and and technology but we we allow it when it suits you know they get half an hour to an hour a day once that screen time is up 
that's it. Yeah, there's no more. That's good. So you can, there, are, there are bits and pieces you can do, but I, 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 I completely understand that uh, addictive nature of all the stuff that they do on there. Yeah, it's crazy. I it's also it, the comparisons, isn't it? Though you know, like it's whether it's Instagram or Facebook. You know, the, these kids are going on, and they're you know they're, they're comparing themselves to all of the other people. And, and in itself, that is developing anxieties because they're, they're feeling a necessity to be a certain way or in order to be accepted and all of these things. Um, I agree, Jonesy, you know, mitigating it and setting up boundaries and things like that's really, really important. But Jesus, it's just such a big issue. And uh, globally, I think, you know, um, you're dead right. It's going to be technology advancement is going to be a part of their lives. And in order to survive, it needs to be imparted in some way. But um, that those control measures, I think, are really, really important. And I just think the reinforcement of the natural world and being a part of the natural world um, amongst all this yeah, modern technology life, you really need to emphasise that to your kids to get out and get your sunshine and exercise and move and stuff like that. I think if you can create that balance, you know, you're sort of halfway yeah. achieving something there. We have, we have, you've got to match your screen time with outdoor time. Yep. So if you have a ha- half an hour, you've got to be out, outside for at least half an hour. That's good. You almost want to make them value their outdoor sort of real world nature time more yep. than screen time, don't you? And I think yeah. sometimes like being unhappy or being a like a depressed teen – maybe plays into more sort of like social media time. Whereas if you're yeah. sort of happier and you're enjoying life more and you're really mm-hmm. into your sports or your hobbies, your activities, you, you may find yourself wanting to go outside and do things more and you might value that more than your, than your phone. Yeah. Cause I accept, you know, yeah, kids are all going to be exposed to phones and technology and stuff later on. And they are going to have to find ways to interact with that in, in a healthy sort of manner. But yeah, I think maybe just if you're more connected, exactly like you said, Rue, with, with the natural world, yeah. uh, hopefully you can find that balance. And then hopefully maybe as parents, we model healthy behaviour around it as well. So yeah. we're not glued to our phones yep. while our yep. kids are around and they see us being present and not just sort of, you know, checked out, sitting there, checking our feed or whatever yep. while our kids are in the room. So I think our own behaviour can definitely play into how yeah, our kids interact definitely. with it. That's a very good point. Yeah. Yeah, I'll always try to put my phone down when I'm in the presence of my kids in case a conversation yeah. starts or, or I'll try to prompt a conversation. But, you know, going back to the, 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 the natural world, there in, there goes your camping philosophy again, you know. Exactly. Getting your kids out to an environment no where there, there, there is no service. Yeah. Yep. Getting them out in the natural world and, and making them re- and watch their faces as they go, oh, wow, this is beautiful. Yeah. You know, and fresh once they air get out there, there they love it. Well, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Well, yeah. it's, it's, in, it's innate in us, isn't yeah. it? It's, yeah. It's a part of of us as humans used to be a part of the natural world yep. and unfortunately we're just sort of moving away from from that that connection yeah like we lit a little fire at our house last night just to just to burn off some sticks and stuff we had a little pile of wood and there's nothing that would have kept my little girl away from that yeah and we we had dinner and then after dinner we sat outside and we sat around some chairs around a little campfire and had a chat and awesome right up until she said oh, i'm tired i want to go to bed sort of thing but yeah i can guarantee anything in the house wasn't didn't even hold a candle to been out by the fire, just what, just loved it. What is your definition of a small fire, though? Ah, uh, you know, twenty it, square feet. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you 
six meters yeah. high. Yeah, <laughs> mate. What a great, uh, what a great lifestyle you live up there. I mean, instead of watching the telly before bed, you you're watching the flames of a fire. You know. Yeah. I mean, I guess anyone can do that. Get a fire pit yeah. in your alfresco yeah. area. When yeah. we when we lived in the burbs on a very small, like a little four hundred square meter block, we had one of those little uh, chimneys. You know, those little yeah. steel things, and you put a little fire in there, and it's all the same thing. You can yep. still put a. Bit of well, bread or a marshmallow or whatever a kid or oh, you I got here five meter by five meter by <laughs> fire is a little bit. <laughs> nah, nah. Last, last night's bomb was smaller. Yeah, yeah. just burning off a little bit of stuff. But so. it's 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 great that you guys have made that conscious decision. This is what we want for our family, and this is what we're doing. It's great. Yeah, I think yeah. it's good. Yep. I think also other challenges that we can talk about is um, and I, and I know this is going on a little bit of a just in time wise, but I mean it's a it's a topic that you talk about all day. Mm. Um, I think imparting our own insecurities, and you you mentioned earlier, like laying in bed at night thinking about your kids' future and all. And I think sometimes we can impart our own insecurities and our own sort of faults in a way to our kids. And I mentioned earlier, you know, like um, that impatience thing. And I wonder whether my kids are going to develop that. But I remember this time once I was I was I was due to pick up my boy from school, and there was a miscommunication between my wife and I about where we were going to pick him up from and there was confusion and so on and he went somewhere and I went somewhere and then by the time I got to the place where I thought he might be he was somewhere else and we had all these different places we could have collected him from and anyway 50 minutes later if only you had a phone you could have just rung him you know no. modern technology <laughs> well he didn't have a phone <laughs> so could have um, Facebook messaged yeah. him <laughs> yeah <laughs> I received a, f- a phone call by an unknown number uh, about 50 minutes later, and I was full on peaking. Like my little boys in primary school, this is like going back years ago, um, and I was peaking out. I was, my stressors, my my own insecurities there of 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 loss or whatever, I was peaking. Anyway, I got this phone call from an unknown number, and he had s- smartly gone to the um, the you know the pedestrian walk, the lollipop man who oh, yeah. cross, helps the kids cross the street, and he asked if he could. Um, ring and he, I don't know how he remembered my number but he he rang my, got my number and he's only a little kid anyway this lollipop man said oh look your, your boy's here um I'll, I'll hold on to him whilst you you come so I've gone from one end of the school to the other and I'm I'll never forget this and I've actually even written wrote him a letter about it and I'll put it in his little um memory box I've got memory boxes for the kids um it's cute yeah, yeah call it cute yeah kill it whatever but um I've got these these no. two boxes these two tubs where I I just put random stuff about their childhood, like, say, teddy bears, notes. So all those things are put in their boxes. And, you know, I put this note in um, for him to read later. I didn't think he would understand um, at, at, at his age now. Um, but I explained to him the fact that when I did meet him at the Lollipop Man, I opened up the door and instead of me with a smile on my face saying, there you are, mate, I'm so glad I found you, I opened up the door to this little kid with tears rolling down his face. I said, where you been, mate? Couldn't find you. And I was angry at him. And it was my own insecurity coming out at my boy. And I only made him more upset. Yeah. And as we ro- drove home, tears were rolling down his cheek because he, up- he felt he'd upset me. Mm. Um, then it had hit me. You know, I'm thinking, how can I what sort of father are you? So I'm trying to explain on my way home, mate, I wasn't it angry at you. I was just angry at my lack of communication with mum and blah, 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 my mistake. I, I didn't know where to pick you up from. And, um, and he says, sort of, he just sat there and he, he cried. Anyway, that night, again, going to bed, 
um, I sat down with him and I apologised again for upsetting him. And he gave me a hug and he said, that's okay, Dad, like that, without any um, ill will or, or mm. bad feeling towards me whatsoever, total absolute forgiveness. And it brought a tear to my eye and I'll, I'll never forget it, but it made me realise that we have our own little insecurities and, and at times, you know, we get built up with angst and, and, and stress and all this and we un- unwillingly take it out on our children. And I would just say to any parent, you know, when you open that door and you see a crying little boy, try to just think of that instance and just try to respond in another way. And it will, it will just go so far. And you, it'll make you feel better. It'll make them feel better. And it will just ease the whole situation. I could have just responded in such a better way, but I, I failed at that moment. And I told my son in, my, in this letter, which one day I hope he reads, at that time, I failed, and I just hope that, you know, you, you by reading this might be aware of it when you're a father and not repeat it. You know, so I reckon also a really important takeout of that, which you did really well, is you went back and you uh, corrected your mistake. Yeah. So, like, as parents, we never get it right all the time. You know, we mess stuff up and you think I could have done that better, but what an awesome uh, sort of, like, lesson and practice that you went back and you said – you know, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. I was feeling like this and this is what I should have done or something like that. I think that's really a super important, uh, like correcting your mistake yeah. and sort of letting know, letting him know after the fact, yeah. be interesting this is what I was see. thinking yeah. and, and this is what I should have done. Yeah. That's I think you that's super fail. important. No, not at all. Yeah. You did not fail. You know, you, you, and, I, and we all do this. We all do this, Rue, and it's 100%, you know, what you're really talking about there is acting out of fear yeah. and we all do that. And it's, and it's, it's such a great example and it is, it's, it's a great take home for everyone to, to just consider your actions in moments of fear, particularly with your kids. And that's probably a great take home as well for everyone is you, you know, consider, consider your actions in those moments of fear. But I think that one thing you definitely didn't do is fail. You know, the, in every, and we've said this countless times on here, in every in every uh, moment, in every lesson, in every challenge, there's opportunity. And, and the, the new opportunity there became the lesson about owning your mistakes. Yeah. yeah. Showing, and that, yeah. And showing empathy and, and stepping up and, and being a man, <laughs> you know, being a man, and I think we'd all agree with this, is about owning mistakes. It's about having the courage to say when you, when you feel you haven't done something quite wrong, uh, quite right, sorry. Um, and you did that. And that's a lesson that I know you would want to impart on him. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, a great lesson. Showing him you were man enough to go back and admit that you were wrong and correct your mistake. Yeah. Good lesson. Mm. Very good, yeah. yeah. I wonder... Yeah. Have you spoken to your son about that incident since? No. No. It'd be no. In- interesting to see if he even remembers it. Well, that's what I said in the letter. I said, you probably don't even remember this happening. Yeah. But you might remember the feeling that it evoked. Subconsciously, yeah. it's it, probably still there. Yeah. It, or it, it unconsciously, it's imprinted on him somewhere, most likely. Yeah. yeah. Who, who knows? It might have been traumatic for him that he has remembered, or it might not have, it might have been over, you, you know, you might have overplayed it in your mind. Yeah. Thinking, you know, oh, he's, he's there, he's on his own, you know. Yeah. And then 
may, maybe if you didn't own up to it exactly afterwards with that and say, sorry, bud, it probably shouldn't have happened like that. Mm. Hope you're all right. You know, get a hug. It's all good, dad. Yeah. He forgets about it. It's yeah. gone. Yeah. But if that's not something you address or correct and he continues to think about it, maybe it sort of festers in your mind a bit more. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Maybe yeah. you've taken something that could have potentially been a traumatic memory mm. and maybe by owning up to it and discussing yeah. it with him afterwards and saying, I, I didn't really mean that, I was feeling yeah. this and what I meant was this, maybe you've actually not made it traumatic and also made it a learning experience. So, Yeah. No yeah. parent's perfect. Everyone's stuck. No, no, I appreciate your, uh, your feedback on that because I never really thought of it like that. Yeah. But how, how good is it to be able to do that? Yeah. Say, look, sorry. Yep. I often do that with my kids and say, look, I... I overreacted in that situation. Yeah. Sorry. Mm. I, I raised my voice. I shouldn't have. Yep. You know? Yep. I but think that's important, mate. You yes. Know, I think yeah. you're showing that, you know, we do have uh, flailings as, as yeah, men. Yeah, we're not perfect. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, that's modelling modeling healthy behaviour, I think, is yeah. uh, what a father's yeah. responsibility is. And, you know, we could talk about um, uh, other challenges, like I reckon, you know, the law. Um, there will be fathers out there that might be listening to this that are going through separations and stuff like that. And I think, and I think there's there, there's been certain parties within our government that are addressing the inadequacies of our family law family law court systems. Uh, I think a lot of men get um, burnt and and harshly treated uh, and treated like the the guilty party of a of a of a breakup. Uh, particularly when there's you know, custody um, uh, cases with with children and so on, I think the the men get the harsh the harsh end of the stick with being guilty before proven innocent sort of thing. And uh, I, I read some stats that you know men will often um, quit uh, a case or a custody case because they're told that you know going down this track is going to have more harm on your children as opposed to you being successful and getting custody. So they'll just pull the pin on it. Um, there's a lot of inadequacies with um, representation in the law. I, I believe that there's um, a lot of legal aid provided for the f- for the, um, the female uh, involved in it, or the the, the wife, um, where a man has to represent himself or, or get legal assistance and pay for that, uh, or, or, or expenses are covered by the man in it. I think there's a lot of inadequacies, and I just I just wanted to to you know bring that to the fore that there are sort of support. Uh, networks out there for blokes that might be experiencing that that issue and and there's a, I've come across this really good website called um australianmensrights.com uh, and and they had a um rep, they represent this uh, AMRA group Australia's men's rights advocates and they were actually um all for uh, you know assisting men with information and services with unfair family court methods um, okay. I found that quite interesting and I thought that you know, all the four of us here are, are very fortunate enough that we don't we are, aren't experiencing that. But I reckon there's probably men out there or fathers that could be experiencing issues with a, a breakup, maybe losing custody of children, um, and you know, I, I just think that it, it's it's such such an unfair process in a lot of cases where men are believed to, you know, to be the, the perpetrator of of things, and and I think. A lot of the times we hear negative connotations in the media about men and husbands and that sort of thing, and 
you know, with, without going down a rabbit hole on this, there are misinformation and lies associated with domestic violence and stuff to promote certain agendas. Uh, I'm not denying the fact that there are um, abusive men in relationships, but there also are abusive women in relationships or abusive mothers. That also needs to be factored in. It's not always the, um, a man mm. that is the perpetrator. And I just think that men need to be aware of those services that are out there. And, and I'll just finish this little um, spiel with this quote that I read. This is a, a quote from a doctor, David Popanoa, a professor of sociology at, uh, at Rutgers University, and he's a co-director of the National Marriage Project. And he says, fathers are far more than just second adults in the home. Involved fathers, especially biological fathers, bring positive benefits to their children that no other person is likely to bring. They provide protection and economic support and male role models. They have a parenting style that is significantly different from that of a mother and that, dif that difference is important in healthy children development, child development. I think that's a great quote. And so any father that's going down that track of possibly losing time with their children, fight like buggery, dig, dig, dig your heels in to, to, to get your fair... Get your fair share of of having that e equal parent uh, relationship. Mm. I think that's just integral, and it, and it's to and it's for the benefit of every child out there. You know, to have their father around and to, to be a constant force in their life. Yeah. You know, and, and I used to coach footy, and I'll just this little anecdote. I used to always, um, I could always tell the young boys whose dads, FIFO dads, were away when the FIFO dad was away. The, the boy at footy training would always be playing up. He'd be restless. He'd be like mucking around, not concentrating. When dad was back, I could tell straight away. I knew dad was back because at footy training, he was well behaved. He was, he was more grounded in. He was more attentive. And I just think that little experience for me um, really signifies the importance of dads being around. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, having access to both parents, mum and dad, super important. Yeah. Yeah. So the yin, the yin really and the yang, like you said, CJ. Yeah, yeah a lot of yeah. balance. Yeah. Balance that balancing of those energies is really important. And and I agree with a lot of what you're saying, Rue. I've, I've just watched a close friend of mine who I know listens to this podcast go through exactly, exactly that. He's one of the great human beings that I've got in my life. And he's absolutely been put through the ringer. And I think he'll take, you know, a bit away from what you just said. And, um, yeah. You know, if you are listening today, we are thinking of you, mate, and you'll know who this is. And uh, you know, he he and others should know they 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 just have to reach out and talk. And we've said that before. You know, that's a particular pressure that um, that I think really does grind people away. I can't imagine having access to my children taken away from me. And um, you know, whether it's the mother or the father, it's it's a horrible thing. So yeah. Look for some help, definitely. Very good. Any any last words? We might have to wrap it up there. We'll yeah, have to wrap it up. Let's wrap it up on a positive. Yeah. I know, just sort of brought the whole mood yeah, down a little bit with yeah. uh, the law. And well, I reckon the positive that you take out of that is, like you said, it's all about balance. Yeah. yeah. It comes back to everything we talk about with everything to do with ancestral living, ancestral health, mental health. Balance, isn't it? Yes. Bal balance is the key. Yep. We need paternal yeah. and maternal influences. Just like we need balance in every other aspect of our life.
done. Beautiful. Absolutely. That's a great way to finish it, Smitty. Great finish. Wise words cool. from the man. Well, it's right. great to have a chat. Yeah. As always, fellas. Yeah, nice great chat, stuff. boys. I mean, we could chat here for ages oh, on this topic. Such a we? big topic. You know, being fathers. Two hours on this, yeah. yeah. It's, it's not an easy gig, but it's very rewarding. It's probably the best thing you ever do in your whole life, isn't it? So. Oh, totally. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Like we say, we're not experts, but we've had some experiences and we're just kind of imparting those and, and what worked and what hasn't for us. And hopefully yeah. people can take something away from the last couple of hours we've been chatting. Gone yep. quick. Yeah. Good, good stuff. stuff. We'll see you next right, week, yeah. eh? Till next time. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Go on, yeah, you boys. Yeah.